Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 666 for the 27th of October, 2019. This week, hmm, 666, huh? Well, if we're looking for something evil, consider what happens if some creep impersonates your Facebook or Instagram account. It's nowhere near as bad or as serious as having your identity stolen, but it's still a major annoyance. Reducing risk and avoiding the problem is the best bet, but be prepared just in case you become a victim. In short circuits, if you're having a problem with Windows, the Feedback Hub, which was once available only to those in the Windows Insider program, might be able to help you with a repair. Microsoft's Office Lens puts a scanner in your pocket. And I've been looking at some TechBiter programs from 20 years ago, and a lot of websites that were cutting edge back then no longer exist. In spare parts, only on the website, the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities October newsletter contains suggestions for avoiding online fraud. We'll take a look, and there's a link to the full newsletter. Support for Windows 7 ends in January, and about one-third of all Windows computers are still running that version. And 20 years ago, we were just beginning to see the advent of phones that could surf the web and even send and receive emails. Just ahead of Halloween and in the 666th edition of the TechBiter Worldwide podcast, let's consider something evil. Impersonation. <laughs> That's the kind of flattery that nobody wants. Being impersonated online is nowhere near as serious as having your identity stolen, but it is still annoying, and it's something that's not very hard for crooks to do. Remember Steven Spielberg's movie Catch Me If You Can? The motion picture was based on the real-life adventures of Frank Abagnale, who now has an honest job as a security consultant and as an advisor with the AARP. He has also taught at the FBI Academy for more than 40 years and says that crime is much easier today because of all the technology. So the technology that's made life easier for honest people has also made life easier for crooks. Have you ever been told that a Facebook friend received another friend request from you? If so, your account hasn't been hacked. Instead, someone has used your profile picture and is using your friends list in an effort to expand their nefarious web. The first thing for your friend to do is not accept the new friend request. That would allow the crook to have access to your friends list of friends unless your friend has already blocked access. So if you receive a message from someone who says they've received a friend request from you, take it seriously. Differentiate, though, between a message telling you that a friend has received a friend request from you and the nonsense, send this message to everyone that people seem to send around. You know, the one that reads like this. Be careful. I got a message from you or it's shown on your wall here. 
Please tell all contacts in your messenger list not to accept friendship requests from Andrea Wilson, or sometimes some other name. She is a hacker and has the system connected to your Facebook account. If one of your contacts accepts it, you will also be hacked. So make sure that all your friends know it. Thanks. Forward as received. Hold your finger down on the message at the bottom in the middle. It will say forward. Hit that button, then click on the names of those in your list, and it will send to them all. This is real. Well... In short, it's not real. It's nothing but nonsense. Read the thing. It's a word salad. And instead of sending a message like that, the person who sent it to you could have found out that it's fake by simply checking Snopes.com. Here's how it works. Someone can create a Facebook account that uses your exact name. I mean, there are several Bill Blinn accounts on Facebook. Facebook keeps track of these by assigning each account a unique ID number. There's a lot going on in the background to keep things straight, so someone can't just create another Bill Blinn account and begin to impersonate me. If you accept a friend request from a fake friend, that person might be able to see your friends list, unless you have increased the privacy settings, and that's something everyone should do. Here's how. Click the Account button, that's your profile picture, then select the Friends tab. Next, click the pencil icon and select Edit Privacy. At a minimum, set your friends list so that only you can view it. Then highest security would call for setting the list of people you're following and your followers so that only you can view them. Now, I don't do that. I've set both of those so that friends can see them. But none of them should ever be set to public. And by the way, while you're there, it's a good idea to scroll through the list of friends and remove or unfriend any that you don't recognize. You can also set the friendship level. Use the close friends list for those who should show up more in your newsfeed. Use the acquaintances list for those who should show up less in your newsfeed. Use the restricted list for friends who can only see posts and profile info that you make public. And if you want to make sure that you never miss a close friend's post, click Get Notifications. If that close friend posts a lot, though, you'll get a lot of notifications, and you may find yourself going back to turn it off. But to get back to the main point, if you have heard from someone who claims to have received a new friend request explicitly from you, and you hadn't yet restricted access to your friends list, this would be a good time to let all your friends know that your account has been cloned, not hacked, and that any new friend request from you should be ignored. What I describe here is specific to Facebook, by the way, but Instagram has similar procedures. You can probably identify the imposter's account by searching for yourself on Facebook. If you do, go to the account, click the ellipsis dots, and choose Find Support or Report Profile. Then choose Pretending to Be Someone and let Facebook know. The fake account will be eliminated. You might be tempted to send the fake account a message. Don't bother. If you contact the spammer, you'll only encourage the crook. So what's the scammer's game here? Those who accept the fake friend request might hear from the scammer who, claiming to be you, will weave a woeful tale about being in another country where illness or robbers or some other catastrophe has struck. And while he hates to ask for a favor, would you be able to send him some money so that he can pay medical bills or buy an airline ticket home or whatever? The bottom line here is that someone posing as you will try to extract money from people you know. 
So do what you can to protect your own accounts, be wary of friend requests from people you already know, and spend your time on the Internet with caution, perhaps even a bit of paranoia. There are people who are out to get your money and your friend's money. As Frank Abagnale would say, it's easy. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, Windows isn't perfect. That's probably not a surprise to you. In fact, no operating system is perfect, nor is any application on any computer. Microsoft's Feedback Hub allows users to report problems, make suggestions, and troubleshoot issues. It might be able to help you. For most users, troubleshooting is the most useful feature. Initially, though, the Feedback Hub was limited to those in the Windows Insider program. In 2016, Microsoft made it available to all users, but most people probably don't know that. You might expect to find the Feedback Hub in Settings, but uh -uh, that's not where it is. It's an app, and you'll find it on the Start screen. Or just tap the Windows key and type Feedback, then click Feedback Hub to open the app. Recently, the Windows key on my primary computer stopped working. Was it the keyboard, the USB connection, or something else? The keyboard has two Windows keys, one on the right, one on the left. Neither worked, and the Control Escape keystroke that can be used to open the start screen didn't work either. But the rest of the keys on the keyboard did, so essentially that ruled out the keyboard as the problem because it would be all but impossible for two Windows keys and the alternate keys to fail simultaneously while all the other keys functioned. It also ruled out the keyboard cable, the USB socket, the USB hub, the switch used to assign the keyboard to the Windows computer or a Mac, and all of the internal circuitry and drivers. That didn't leave very much, and I concluded the problem would likely disappear if I rebooted the computer, but I thought I'd take a look at the feedback hub just to see if anybody else had reported a similar problem. What I found was this. One user had reported that some of the shortcut keys that use the Windows key weren't working as expected. That report was made two weeks ago, but it didn't describe the problem I was having, and the shortcut keys were all working for me. That quick search revealed that what I was seeing wasn't a widespread problem. So I rebooted the computer, and everything started working as expected. Problem solved. That was a trivial problem and one with an easy solution, but the Feedback Hub can sometimes help by revealing other users' solutions to a problem you have. The Feedback Hub is an internal and external tool, so some problems are actually reported by Microsoft software engineers, and some of the comments come from the software engineers. If you don't find the solution to your problem, you can file a bug report. Now, it's important to create an actionable bug report. Feature X isn't working. That's not actionable. 
At the very least, software engineers need to know exactly what you were doing when the problem occurred, the full text of any error messages you've seen, information about the version of the operating system, a list of applications that were running, and information about the hardware, the CPU, memory, disk drives, and things like that. So, if you file a bug report, take the time needed by attaching a screenshot or a file, if you can, and if you can repeat the problem consistently on your computer, provide a precise list of steps that will cause the problem. Software engineers, whether they're at Microsoft or elsewhere, want their programs to be the best they can be. Many years ago, I apologized to a software developer when I gave him a list of things that seemed not to be working right. He told me bluntly that I should not apologize for telling him what needed to be done to make the application work better. That same attitude is what I encountered in some 30 years of working with developers. When something isn't working right, they want to know about it and they want to fix it. One exception was a developer who sometimes fixed the problem, ran a test, and then reported the problem didn't exist. We knew what he was doing. He knew that we knew what he was doing. It was just amusing to see how fast he could fix the problem once he knew about it. Most software engineers work in teams these days, and many people might be working on a single application. Code has to be checked out, updated, tested, and then checked back in, so that quick, silent fix is no longer an option. Whether you report a bug or not, the ability to use the Feedback Hub for troubleshooting is helpful. It's possible when you're searching to limit the search to just the version and build of the operating system installed on your computer. Also, be sure to examine the list for reports that have been noted with an official response has been posted. What that means is that a Microsoft software engineer has commented on the bug report. When you find a report that describes the problem you're seeking, click Upvote. This lets the development team know that you have the same problem. When you host a business meeting at a restaurant, you might need a copy of the receipt. Or if you have paperwork from a hospital that you need to submit to your insurance company, you'll want a scanner. Or will you? My younger daughter recently had a baby and needed to submit some of the hospital's paperwork to her insurance company. She asked if I still have a scanner. Well, I do. Actually, I have two, or if you count the film scanner, three. And she wondered if I could scan some of the paperwork for her. I said I'd stop by the house and collect the papers, but that I might be able to provide what she needed right there without taking the pages with me. I had an app on my phone. Well, she wondered if she could just download the app. Well, of course she could. We both use Android phones, but scanning apps are available for Android and iOS devices. The one I use is Microsoft's Office Lens, which has both Android and iOS versions. She downloaded the application, scanned the page, and submitted the PDF document to her insurance company. No traveling needed. Using the Capital One app, I can have my phone take a picture of a check and deposit it to my account. The same technology works well for receipts, full-page documents, or anything in between. So let's say for some reason that I need to scan a receipt from Jebbia's Market in Wheeling, which may be the best place to buy fruits and vegetables anywhere in the country. The receipt is small, just three inches wide, six inches tall, and I crumpled it by stuffing it in my pocket. Could I capture a usable image? Well, yes, I could. With the crumpled receipt lying on the desk, I used the phone to snap an image. 
After capturing the image, Office Lens told me that I could add it to my gallery, create a PDF, send it to OneNote, send it to OneDrive, create a Word document using the built-in optical character recognition function, or send it to PowerPoint. I selected PDF and OneNote. The result was an image that I could use for nearly any purpose. The information on the receipt was clear and readable. The PDF document, if I had needed to submit it to anyone, would certainly have been acceptable. So don't discount the phone in your pocket when you need to copy a piece of paper. There's a good chance the device you carry around in your pocket, the one you may think of as a camera that can be used to send text messages and occasionally even make phone calls, is more powerful than you imagined. Office Lens is available for Android and iOS devices. To download the app for your phone, visit the Apple App Store or Amazon's Play Store. Oh, and by the way, if you ever find yourself in Wheeling, be sure to stop at Jevia's and then grab a fish sandwich at Coleman's Fish Market. Earlier this month, I spent more than four hours on the road just to run over to Wheeling and back to get fish sandwiches and produce. A few weeks ago, I added a new item to the spare parts section of the website. Each week, there's a brief account about something that seemed top of mind, or at least top of my mind, 20 years ago. Back then, I occasionally wrote about websites that I found interesting. As I put it in January 1999, and I quote here from myself, from biblical references to a former porn starlet's site, they're all here. Even back then, I warned about dangers, though. It's important to keep in mind, I wrote, that anyone can put up a page. Read anything you find there carefully, and don't take anything at face value. So there. Well, this week I was wondering just how many of the websites I thought were worth visiting 20 years ago are still around 20 years later. Strike one. I had a link to the National Institute of Health page with information about heart health. That information doubtless is still available on the NIH site somewhere, but the page I referenced is gone. Strike two. Somebody had put up a website called Spam News that claimed to have information about how to fight spammers. It's gone. Strike three. I used a site called Safe Baby when I was looking for information about some plants we have at home. It turns out that some of those plants are poisonous and should be removed from homes with babies. That page is no longer there either. So is any of the web that I remembered from 1999 still around? Whatis.com still is. But it's no longer just an attempt to explain the Internet in plain English. Most people pretty much understand what the Internet is these days. Now it's part of TechTarget.com that tries to explain everything. Ask Jeeves is gone. So is a Toronto television station's 22 online satire site. The Wizard of Oz was released in 1939, and in 1999 we were in the midst of a revival. The site that was set up back then is still around. But it has been modified to include Blu-ray and now 4K Blu-ray versions available for sale. Back then, a camera had been set up to show the Kremlin in Moscow. That website no longer exists. One site that does still remain 20 years later is one operated by Asia Carrera, a porn actress in Utah. She was 26 at the time. If you'd like to know more about Asia Carrera, check out Wikipedia. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And if you wondered, I didn't list Wikipedia 20 years ago. I had a good reason, though. It didn't exist. Wikipedia was launched on the 15th of January, 2001.
Spare parts didn't exist 20 years ago either, but it's there now, only on the website. This week, the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Security's October newsletter contains suggestions for avoiding online fraud. We'll take a look, and there's a link to the full newsletter. Support for Windows 7 ends in January, and about one-third of all Windows computers are still running that version. And 20 years ago, we were just beginning to see the advent of phones that could surf the web and even send and receive emails. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.